Okay, so welcome to the podcast. Um, today I have with me Veronica, who will introduce herself in a moment, but we've just completed our yoga teacher training together for a month, so we've been putting up with each other for the past month. Um, so I'll let Veronica introduce herself to you. So hello, hi, my name is Veronica. Um, well, I'm born in Indonesia, uh, but I grew up in Singapore and now I reside in Australia. So I really don't know what I am when people ask me, really. <laughs> so you're traveling, traveling around a lot, living in lots of places. Yeah, it was not my choice initially, but you know, I grew to like it. It's mm-hmm. quite different. Um, and what background do I have? So I'm Chinese, so my grandfather is from China, mm-hmm. South China. Um, and um, so I think, well, I like to say most of my families are Chinese, but we never really know for sure these days. Um, and yeah, I've been traveling. I've only started traveling a bit late. I'm a late bloomer. <laughs> so I've only started traveling when I'm like 27 mm. and I'm more settled with everything. Yeah. So that's pretty much I can think about. If okay. you have any questions. Yes. Yeah. So before you were 27 then, did you yeah. pretty much, you were in Singapore and Indonesia until the point when you were 27 and then you moved to Australia? Um, or? No, I moved to Australia when I was 16. Amazing. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, but you've been obviously resident in Australia for that long. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So what did you do when you were in Australia? Um, I, my parents sent me there for university. Oh, okay. yeah. So university when you were sixteen. Yeah, we, well, I started at um, like pre-university courses, right? And okay. then we started diploma, which is equivalent to first year uni. Mm, okay. Uh, so that's how it started, and yeah, we do start young, and in a way, it's good. It's, in a way, it's not good because I don't know what I wanted, and I did business. Yeah. Oh, okay. Which I pretty much just you know pushed through. I don't really enjoy yeah. it. Uh, but I do. Well, I did learn skills that I didn't use, but it might come in handy in the future. Quite possibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know you're pretty much, you have been, mm-hmm. kind of the equivalent of a social worker. So yeah. what's that like? It's, it's, um, it's amazing because the thing is, one of the things I noticed, anything that works for me sort of happens by chance. Yeah. I stumble across it. No. So I started off, I finished uni, I was working in a really boring job as a I don't know, front desk, admin sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of got really bored and I decided to do aged care for some reason. Okay. And I really enjoyed it. And then at that time, I needed to then work on my residency because yeah. otherwise I have to go home. And I decided right. I don't want to go home because I can't leave. I, I've only lived in, in Indonesia for five years, mm. the first five years of my life. Wow. So how do I integrate okay. back to a society that is completely different from me? It's yes. going to be hard. Yeah. So then I work really hard and... My agent told me that since I like aged care, I should do community work. Okay, and aged care is like care of the elderly. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So in in a nursing home or at mm. home, it's, it's quite broad. Okay. Yeah. So so then I started my community service, um, and from uh, I really enjoyed it because then I, I it's not just aged care. I do disability, mental health, uh, youth, uh, dis- uh, I, I mentioned disability. Like it's just it opens so much. Yeah. Uh, and I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm like, oh, wow, how come I didn't know this before? It's mm. almost like my that's my personality. Okay, amazing. Yeah, so yeah. you found something that you really fit in well. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. And in the meantime, uh, I also um, encountered Buddhism. Yeah. So around right around I finished uni, uh, I encountered Buddhism because I was bored. Okay. okay. I was bored. I, was, I got nothing better to do. You have this spare time. Uh-huh. So I thought something about meditation. So mm. I was looking around meditation and went to different temples. 
you know, the different traditions. And I find one that kind of suits me because the teacher's from England and you can explain things really clearly. Amazing. Uh, down to earth and, and not a lot of control because sometimes in Asian Buddhism, there yeah. are a lot of, you have to do this or else. Like a lot of rules and things. Yeah, and okay. dread and fear. And, and I really oh. don't like that. It's no. like, you're supposed to be spiritual. How is it fear-based? Yeah. So, so, yeah, and that's actually the biggest motivation. I don't want to go back because I really mm. click with this teacher. Right. And, and I really appreciate his teaching and I thought, if I go back, then I'm going to be these greedy business people because... The only way to survive in Indonesia, for me anyway, is to start my own business. Okay. I don't even speak the language properly. No. <laughs> okay. How do I find a job? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I was asking. I was asking Veronica the other day what her native, um, what her mother tongue was, and she's like, I'm "Not really sure, actually. I don't know." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know my mother tongue really. Um, but my, I think my first ever language is Indonesian. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, Indonesia. My mom would have spoken yeah. Indonesian to me. Um, but then when I go to Singapore, I started learning Mandarin and mm. English primarily. Okay. You know, English is my first language, sort of thing. Yeah. And so strong, then, strongest maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Chinese is sort of like second best, and then Indonesian is my third because I learned it in school. Yeah. Whereas Indonesian, I pick it up as I go when I meet Indonesian friends yes. and stuff. So it's more yeah. self-taught than very informal and messy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you definitely have some Australian twi- uh, Australian sort of ticks in your in your yeah. language as well, which is nice. Some people say that. Yeah. I, I can't tell, but most people know that I'm from, uh, that they can tell I have the Singapore but, accent. Okay. I can't get rid of it. I tried. <laughs> oh, and yeah, because a lot of people have been sort of asking if you're from Singapore. And yeah, things. or Malaysia, because or Malaysia. they can't quite tell. Yeah. It's all mixed up already, and yeah. I'm like, all right, I, I really don't know what I am. Yes. Cool. But, but yeah, yeah. So anyway, back to to the community service. Yes. And so so when I I, I did that for two to two purposes to stay and also to enjoy um to to learn because I really enjoy what I'm doing yeah. especially mental health because Amazing. of the meditation side of things. Yes. So they obviously fit together really really well. Yes and no. Okay. It's almost the opposite end. That's oh. one thing I learned. Mental health. If I work in mental health, it's not that I learn about you know, the mind growing, that's more like the spirituality part. Mm-hmm. That's more when I meditate, when I go to the, to the temple mm. and learn the philosophy. Mental health, you work, when you work in mental health, you work on the other end of the spectrum where people are suffering with yeah. um, anxiety, okay. depression. How yeah. do you expect them to learn meditation? Okay. They need to, it's almost like the Maslow hierarchy of needs. You can't, if they can't have the basics, how are you going to tell them about spirituality? You're right. Okay, so, that's interesting because I think a lot of people think that meditation is the answer to everything, but some people aren't in the right situation no, maybe. No, so yeah. what would you say to someone who is in that situation, you know, who needs to mm-hmm. get, up, I suppose, up to that level where they maybe can start to be introduced well, to meditation? Well, funny enough, it's what I learned in yoga, work mm. on your morality first. Okay, yeah. So that's <laughs> something maybe we've learned actually over the past month, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. To start from the, the yama niyama in yoga, yeah. whereas in, in Buddhism we teach that too. We teach the, the five basic molar, uh, morality. Yeah. You know, work on, you know, uh, how are you going to meditate if you are stealing things or hurting people? Mm-hmm. Your mind will be thinking about it a lot. Yeah. But then again, it's almost like the chicken and the egg. Uh-huh. You can never tell. It's almost like, where do you start? The easiest is for morality because you have control. True. It's about the control. But having said that, people have habits. Mm. People have uh, uh, influence in a different way. Mm. Someone coming from a poor background, getting abused all the time. I understand why they're always anxious. Uh, yeah. And then they have a certain kind of habits. To break that is also hard. Mm. And the best way is to change your habit is through meditation. So, mm, where do you go? Which one do you do first? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but the thing is, with yoga, it's sort of fall in the middle. Because ah. you can use asanas practice to yeah. kind of 
uh, teach them mindfulness awareness a little bit, mm-hmm. kind of put it in there. Yeah. And sure, they're not going to be doing daily practice or weekly practice, but it's a start. Yeah, it is. So that's really interesting that you found yeah. that kind of middle ground in a way from something yeah. that's not necessarily, like, it's related to, to Buddhism yeah. and things in a certain way, but yeah. it, you say it has quite a lot of similarities, which is really cool. It and is. just for the record, yama, niyama are social and, and, and uh, personal Self- disciplines, yeah. self-disciplines, yeah. and asanas actually as well are the mm. are the poses for, for yoga. Yeah. So it's the physical side of yoga that most people associate with yoga. So, yes, yeah. Which we've been doing a lot of the past <laughs> yeah. month. Well, I'll but, be yeah. careful about using the <laughs> Sanskrit term now. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> I know, just, yeah. uh, we'll define it as we yeah. go. But that's the thing, though, the reason why I explore more about yoga is I find it's a stepping stone towards um, towards Buddhism. Mm, because okay. the thing is, a lot of the questions in spirituality, uh, yoga can't answer. They don't they, they say, oh, you need to be in samadhi to know what it is. You mm-hmm. know, you need to understand um, enlightenment and all those things that they can't under- uh, explain. When I did my 200 hours, the yeah. Swami can't explain it. Right. Yeah, and then uh, I remember Master also said that he, you know, you need he hasn't experienced that. You need to be experiencing it, but and he only explained to us in theory. Uh, whereas in Buddhism, I do know monks who has attained that and is able to explain to us. The only mm. problem is some of them come so easily to them. Mm. It's almost like a past life experience if you believe those kind of things. Okay. That sometimes they can't teach us, uh, explain to us. It's almost monks that struggle so much are the ones that I find is really good in teaching because they understand what I'm trying to go through yeah whereas the ones that have maybe been through it find it hard to explain it yeah they just get it so easily yeah they're just like oh this is easy you just sit and close your eyes and that's it what what (laughs) kind of a thing yeah yeah but uh yeah that's that's what I noticed about um about yoga anyway And, and that's what I would like I guess start with with my clients you know doing yeah. a bit of therapy and being aware of their body yes. because um i remember when i did let the um the meditation one of the first thing i say is to come to the body believe it or not people don't not many people actually know how their body feels like mm. I, even i take it for granted when i sit and meditate i just relax yeah people can relax mm. and i'm like wow i did not know that so so yeah. then um through, through through yoga you know there's a lot of techniques and therapy techniques that can help them just understand their body to yes. know how their body feels like mm. and then from the body then can you go into the mind yeah. you know without understanding the body without settling the body you can't go in the mind no because yeah the body will always be sort of in the way it's those, yeah. the, the layers isn't it exactly so, yeah. so it's almost like 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 outward in mm-hmm. i have this diagram where you know even sometimes i will go when i go to the prison uh, and lead meditation i say just remember where you are feel listen to the air conditioning or the fan remember which what room you are in how does it feel like mm. and then slowly then come to the body okay so people, yeah associating with the experiences that they they have and yeah they, yeah they can connect to don't even know their surrounding yeah they're not there in the room they're somewhere else to, to just get them to, hey, come back. Yeah. <laughs> come okay. back to earth. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, of my, yeah a lot of my clients are like that. They're constantly right. fearful, um, worried. And, and and I feel a lot of compassion for them. Mm. Like one very, one one of my last few clients that I, I just, supposed to be an easy client. It was transferred to me to, uh, from, a, um, from another colleague who's going for a maternity leave. So when I um, 
got her initially i thought she would be an easy client and then till the end she sort of just fall off the wagon she has um she's addicted to alcohol yeah and alcohol is so cheap you can get like those three five dollars one and mm. they're like really crap yeah. but they in they australia yeah is that the goon the goon i pro i don't know <laughs> i don't i don't drink so i wouldn't know mm. but apparently that's what she said she can just buy a cheap five ten dollars for two liters mm. they're really horrible and then when I call her up, she'll start crying. She feel ashamed. It's this vicious cycle starting. Yeah. And, and how do we help people like that? And all I can yeah. do is call me when you're ready. And then it will hit them hard and they will feel more guilty. So I can't help her. Yeah. So, you know, people in that situation, how do you help them? Yeah. Mm, it yeah. is hard. And what teach them yoga. And yeah, it's just a lot of them rely their happiness on other people. That's the biggest mm. problem, and they need to bring it into themselves. Yeah, which mm. nothing is wrong. I think I think sometimes I have the debate with people about you need to do things for yourself. Mm. You need to feel happy within you, not externally. You can't. Yes. But a lot of people rely on their partner to make them happy. Or mm. uh, they have so they have this unhealthy codependent relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you know they're like like even my mom, her happiness is her children, and she's suffering because. You know, we are far away from her. Mm. It's very typical of that. And a lot uh, a lot of people like that. Even, I mean, once upon a time, I believe I used to be like that. Mm. Even now, sometimes I get insecure. What is insecurity is pretty much trying to find happiness externally. And it feels insecure because you can't find it. And it's yeah. obviously secure if you're finding happiness within yourself yeah. because you're the only thing that's effectively secure. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's yeah. real. Because, yeah. you know, you come with you all the time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. You come always with yourself. So, yeah. I mean, it's definitely there. Yeah. So, yeah. so not that I'm completely happy, but I try to to shift that to just yeah. you know are you happy now are you in pain are you satisfied and, and also understanding what happiness really means for me mm, okay kind of yeah. so Amazing. yeah i don't know i think we're kind of sidetracked so we talk about oh, it's how it always goes <laughs> <laughs> yeah community services about my clients yeah yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. i wanted to ask you because mm-hmm. um you've been in quite a few buddhist monasteries yeah. and you've stayed there for for long yeah. periods of time mm-hmm. so how what is the longest stretch you've been there and how three has it months. been three months three months is the longest stretch and uh i've stayed in not not that many just a handful actually mm-hmm. like two in thailand and uh two in perth mm-hmm. one in sydney and one in melbourne okay so that's quite a few i suppose yeah. <laughs> but usually it's only for a few days or a few mm-hmm. uh a week and stuff okay but the longest is three months i did it twice once in the nuns monastery in yeah. the, uh in in perth and then once the other one is in the monks monastery okay which just happened recently okay um and yeah three months is the longest and it's a different kind of stay mm. because um what we have in the theravada buddhist tradition is we have we call it rains retreat in english and in pali which is uh by the way the the they claim that is the language the buddha speaks right but right. if you if you talk to the mahayana they say sanskrit is the buddha's Language. Yeah, so, <laughs> I think everyone else says something yeah. different. Yeah. Um, but I, I believe ideally it's Pali because a lot of the chant, which is really, they can trace it back to the time. Well, the a lot of the chanting is developed 500 years after mm-hmm. the Buddha died, so we never know. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, uh, what, where, where am I getting with this? Um, Pali. Different experience in the monastery. Yes, in the monastery. monastery. Yeah. Um, Vasa. They call it the Vasa, which is Rain's Retreat. Right. Uh, and during those time there's no work as in no major major work like uh there's a lot of works in the monastery people think that monks and nuns go to the monastery to just get an easy life yeah it's, it's actually around. more work than they realize right because okay. they have to maintain the land and in australia there's so many council rules and stuff and they have to you know do raking 
uh, and clear the road and oh. you know clean the place, maintain the place, uh-huh. plant some native native plants to mm. make sure that you know it's the land is well taken care of, mm-hmm. and the land is um some of the land it's it's part of certain. I don't know culture or, or vegetation that you need to preserve. Right. So there's okay. a lot of work to yeah. do there. I, when I was staying there, we have to get rid of weeds. Can you imagine? Because they live in a forest type. Oh place. my god! What is a what is a weed? <laughs> like well, we you... need to get rid of non-native plants. Some of the oh. plants come from South Africa, oh. which is actually not good. So one of my job last year. Well, two years ago rather, it was twenty nineteen already. Yeah, I know. Um, was to to get this pink gladiator out so we have to like pluck it on the ground oh. uh, which is strange because when the wind blows it just goes everywhere mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but anyway yeah yeah so that's effectively kind of like the karma yoga side of things yeah like just doing the work and not expecting the results and yeah and things like that so it's endless the job's endless, endless. pretty okay. much you have the, it's, it comes from from anything mm. from driving around from uh, uh before you can become a monk you have to become uh, a seminary which mm-hmm. is like a novice not even a novice sorry Anagarika, which is like in white, training okay. to be like a pre-training period or something okay. for a year. Wow. Um, most of their job is cooking because the nuns can't cook. You're not allowed to. It's part of the rules. Ah, okay. So you're dependent on lay people, mm-hmm. as they call it. Right. So we had a lot of. So it's a lot of work. Um. So anyway, during the Vasa period, mm-hmm. uh, not everything stops mm-hmm. clearly. Daily work has to go on. Yeah. You still have to clean the towels. You still have to sweep the floor and cooking. But we're talking about major work like building projects, mm. uh, you know, like piping and stuff. I mean, if the tree fell off, you kind of have to do it. Yeah. But otherwise, you, you just stop. We don't do any projects. Uh-huh. So that's the rule. Because um, traditionally, what happened is uh, the monks are technically homeless and they walk around for arms round. Yeah. It's a bit like the Swami here you see. Yeah. So they have a bowl and people put food in. They're not allowed to touch money. So you eat what you uh, get. Yeah. Hence, I remember we talk about they have to eat what they're given. They're not, they're not necessarily vegetarian. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's what, whatever they eat. Uh, and what happened is during in India, during the rainy season, which is typically between June and the October mm. or July and November, yeah, around yeah. those times, mm. is the rainy season. And we're talking about the northeast of India, the Bodhgaya and all the way to Lumbini, which is mm. Nepal. Uh, so what happened is the monks, being monks, they don't, they're not farmers. So they sometimes, because it's raining, it's flooded, they step on someone's crops. So they went and complained to the monk, uh, to, to the Buddha, say, hey, they're destroying our crops. So the Buddha said, this room, okay, for the during these three months, mm-hmm. you guys come and offer food to the monks. And they just sit and do nothing. Oh. So then it becomes a tradition. Oh, okay. During three months, wherever you are, you have to stop. Yeah. And they stay in someone's house or wherever and mm-hmm. stop for the three months. And also, it's also the purpose of self-development. Yeah. really meditate uh, it sounds cool until you're like oh there's so much going on in my head so much what crap, do I like, do <laughs> yeah, yeah and it, it gives you time to stop and think doesn't it and that's yeah. sometimes quite dangerous <laughs> it, it is it is like you just like some people just can't like what do I do they get yeah. really agitated and then everything come out you know you just yeah and I suppose that's critics. some yeah I yeah. suppose that's some it's something that needs to happen in a way you know you we get so distracted in life and then all of a sudden you stop for three months is a long time to stop as well and, yeah. and you mentioned before about going through like the stages that you go through like you're, you're in it, I don't know what I can't remember what you said now but uh, what yeah, you well, go through yeah, mentally so, the stages you go through so basically in, in the three months when you go in you you're still a bit restless so you kind of just settle down a little bit and just trying to get used to the environment and meet people and once you settle that's like the honeymoon period start 
it lasts, I don't know, some people last a bit longer, a bit shorter. Yeah. And then everything starts coming up because you're meditating between, I don't know, um, minimum, uh, up to seven, eight hours, even more. Wow. I'm not talking at one stretch, no. but you, know, you have to do two hours in the morning, you have lunch and then two and then go for a walk and then just, you know, it's, it's easily six, seven hours a day wow, um, a to just sit. So imagine sitting all day. So you're just watching your mind come and go, come and go. Sometimes it's still, sometimes it doesn't. And then you get frustrated. My mind was still just a moment ago. Why, am I, why is my mind not peaceful now? Yeah. So if there's no control over the mind. A lot of people think meditation is I have to focus. I have to mm-hmm. control the mm-hmm. mind. That, that's not how it works. No? Not at all. It's the, the, the point. Um, meditation works when you get out of the meditation. Okay, explain, explain. So, so basically, you don't meditate. Yeah. You just observe. Okay. You have to get out and let the meditation take place. Meditation is letting go. Right. Meditation is settling the mind. Okay. The best analogy that I've ever heard that works for me is, imagine a man walking in the forest and another man was in the puddle. And what he was doing is just stamping around and pushing around in the water. Mm-hmm. So the, the passerby... The first man came and asked, like, what are you doing? Uh, the man in the puddle said, oh, um, I'm trying to push the mud down. I need some clear water. So I need to push it down. Okay. <laughs> so the first man said, ah, I've got a better idea. Why don't you come out? And I'll give you a list of things to do. Uh, and, and then we will work on, you know, uh, clearing <laughs> muddy water. <laughs> yeah. So so um, the story I, I was told is then he gave him a list of uh get a bucket, get some wood fire, you know, uh, a chair, some hay, some wood. Basically, he gave him a whole list of things to do. So come in the evening near the sunset, uh, around sunset, well, just before sunset, he came back. And, and then he said, look, let's, let's, let's set a shelter and some place to sit down uh, and set a fire or whatever. And then he said, look, the water is clear. Now <laughs> you can go and get some water and we can have some tea. Oh. So, so essentially, yeah. you have to get out of the water. Stop yeah. trying to control your mind. Stop trying to watch your breath. Just breathe. And breathe and let your breath soothe you. We know the breath yeah. soothes you. Mm-hmm. you know, a lot of teachers say it. And if you don't believe it, hold your breath and see how you feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's like the best uh, analogy I've ever heard. That's fantastic. I really, yeah. really, I like that a lot. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. You need to get out and yeah. stop trying to steal because the mind will steal by itself. Mm-hmm. The problem is we try to interfere. Yeah. And I noticed that a lot in three months, like, it's a habit. You just want to know, oh, am I clear? I'm like, yeah, you were. You're not, no longer. Yeah. It's almost like, oh, the water is clear. Is it clear? Yeah, just keep like, poking poke it. it and see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's as if you're, you know, you're trying to, um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> my, my, my brain is getting fried by all of these analogies. Meditation <laughs> is something really actually quite hard to understand, I think, unless you, mm-hmm. until you've experienced that very feeling, it's yeah. very hard to actually it is. accept and think, yeah, well, it's mm-hmm. that, I, I understand you're supposed to leave your mind. But how on earth do you do that until you exactly. actually do it? Now, that's hard. where, you know, I said the man was sent to get collect a lot of stuff. Yeah. That's where the meditation techniques come in. Ah. Meditation technique is to distract you from meditation in a way. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, and then you end up meditating without realizing it. Yeah. So, so, for example, it's, uh, they, they, they go like, okay, um, just count your breath from 1 to 10. Every breath you have, count. And then you might get distracted. You might be this. And then before you know it, oh, I'm actually calm. 
Okay. So, yeah. so kind of, yeah. it, that's kind of it. Yeah, so it's like the stilling of the water, mm. stilling of the mind, effectively. Not thinking yeah. of nothing, which I think a lot of people do mm. think. They think, yeah. well, I've just got to not think. It's like, well, it's quite hard, I suppose, it to is. just not think. It and is. to think about not thinking makes it even harder to not <laughs> think. So. Which is not possible, really. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> so you've got to find, like you say, some techniques to, to yeah. figure that out. So, it's yeah. all just watching it. The, the problem is we. it takes a while to be able to watch your mind settle. We are going to think, but the 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 I guess the trick or the the point is to just watch it. Yeah. It's like you know they call it a train of thought. So just watch it go by. Yeah. It will go by eventually. Yeah. Um. Uh, what I usually tell uh people when I guide meditation is like, don't don't push it away, but don't follow the rabbit down the hole. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just watch the rabbit go past. Yeah. Just oh. watch it going and just wave goodbye. And mm-hmm. sometimes just be kind to it. You know mm. the thoughts are there for a reason. And just acknowledge it, welcome mm. and say, hey, how's it going? Like one of the um, uh, one of the books that I read uh, says it's almost like greeting a guest. Mm. Like you, you're having this party and you're standing by the door greeting it. If you spend too much time with one guest, you are not greeting the next guest. It's like you have to greet every guest so you can only say, hello, how's it going? And then let it go. Let yeah, it go. and if you greet too many guests, then you, or, or you'd you spend too many time with them, you don't have any time for yourself at the party. Yeah. So. so pretty much just let it go and let yeah. it go. And just, yeah. And eventually they'll all be in mm-hmm. and you can meditate on your party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's just sitting down there. This, you know, I can go on with a lot of different analogies. Yeah, but, oh, know, there's so, so many, isn't there? It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so I guess travel plan wise Mm. then so talking about your travels I know you've got quite a few you're not necessarily thinking of going straight back to Australia thinking whether to do your dive master or not potentially but yeah what what do you think about what makes travel therapeutic what makes travel kind of good for you and what do you look for in travel to help cleanse and help fulfill your soul see the thing is um I noticed now not before is that travel is a very big hype it is people yeah. talk about it a lot and yeah. makes you think that you should be doing yeah uh, and you should love it it should be amazing every single yeah. second <laughs> yeah 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 so so um uh i started as i said i'm a late bloomer i only start traveling maybe I, when i'm 27 mm-hmm. 28 thereabout i can't quite remember um and at that time i pretty much just just you know, go along and, and, and see what's available. And I remember the fir- my first solo trip, I asked my best friend, I don't know where to go. Said, You've never been anywhere, just pick one. Yes. <laughs> just pick somewhere. <laughs> so I decided to go to Taiwan because I speak the language oh, okay. and it's very safe for a solo traveler. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I started. I learned a lot in the trip. But I think the most important trip that, I, that really teach me how to travel is my Sri Lanka trip, which I mm. did last year, June. I think hmm? is I didn't really quite enjoy it. Oh, that's why it's important. Okay, because you learn more. You do. I mean, I mean, I the, the best thing I like about the trip is taking the train. Yeah, like being on a train <laughs> is like oh wow, this is awesome! I can catch the train anywhere. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much like the best thing. Um, but um, what I learned is there is no purpose. So I learned how to travel. Yeah. I, I mean, a lot of people travel around the world for a year or two with a backpack. Yeah. I, apparently, I can't do that. No. I need a purpose. I definitely feel you there. Yeah. yeah. That's really important. If there's no purpose, it's, no, no, it's pointless. Like, for yeah. example, I did a pilgrimage um, in India, Nepal, 
uh, the Buddhist pilgrimage. It's hard, mm. really hard. I get sick and everything, but it's worth it. I learned a lot. There's a purpose. I'm going to see this side. I'm focused. Yes. If you're not focused, it's almost like in life. Life become really meaningless if you're not focused. Yeah, and I think life and travel are not different either. You know, yeah. a lot of people say that I think you know travel is escaping from real life, and it's mm. it's really not. You no. know, it, it it's maybe an accentuate accent, accentuated is that the right word? Like an a, yeah. an enhanced version of life. You know, it's very much more intense, very much more condensed, but it's yeah. still life. <laughs> it is life. You know, whether you travel or you stay, but it's life one way or another. Mm-hmm. But you just need to know which direction you go. Just pick one, pick yeah. something, and go, and then something will come out because. That's kind of my life at the moment. I quit my job April last year, mm. uh, April two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's when I noticed, I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Or like, I don't know what I want to do. And my friends said, just pick something. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's what I learned. So, and then, I mean, I did my April, uh, May last year, mm-hmm. 20, no, May two years ago, <laughs> May twenty. 17 mm-hmm. i did my 200 hours yoga teacher training even though it was hard it was still worth it yeah because it had a purpose and it yeah. had somewhere to go again so when i uh when i did my sri lanka i have no purpose i don't know why i want to do it. i just figured mm-hmm. i'll just pick and go it's like a typical backpackers just mm-hmm. going to places i don't quite enjoy it no but it is significant yes. it's important to me i do learn things i, yeah. I did see things yeah but you know, it's a, it's it's an eye opener. I realized, yeah. okay, if I want to do something, it has to have a purpose. Yeah. What am I doing? What do I want to achieve out yeah. of it? It's kind of life, and that's what I do with my clients. Yeah. It's like, okay, what do you want to do in life? Yes. We like just imagine if life is perfect, you don't have all this illness. Yeah. What? And then you break it down. And mm-hmm. once you break it down, it becomes a reality for yeah. them. What do you need? How do you go? Yeah. So mm-hmm. travel has taught you that life also needs to be purposeful and needs to have purpose. Yeah. Is there anything else that travel you think has taught you? Um, one of the things is uh, like a track line. Like a lot of people say it's dangerous, don't do this, don't do that. And I go, no, not necessarily. Like whatever you send out, you get back. Yeah. Like, um... Like what uh, uh, I said during the graduation, like in two, uh, when I did my 200 hours, I was in a very different mindset. Hence, I found a school, a yoga school that yeah. wasn't what I was expecting. Uh-huh. But maybe that's the reflection of how I was at that time. Mm. If I were to do uh, my 200 hours here yeah. at Yoga Darshanam, I probably struggled because they're too strict. Yeah. Or whatsoever. Yeah. Right now, I'm in a different mindset. I have a certain purpose and I was steady enough to go through it persist mm-hmm. through it even though it's hard even though I really don't want to do the asanas and just go with it and take my yeah. time yeah. so that's sure. one of the things and, and just trust trust you know, trust Good. because you know the thing is if things are gonna go it's going to go wrong no matter where you are it will go wrong mm-hmm. if things don't go going fine wherever you are it will go fine that's very true because yeah. I can't, I'm a big believer in karma too okay like I mean, and, and there's two levels of karma, like karma in this lifetime and also karma in your previous life. Mm-hmm. So that, again, is another debate whether or not you believe in rebirth. Mm. Uh, but like what you do will kind of project out in that way. Yeah, so in the, in the most basic form, even if you don't mm. believe in rebirth, karma still exists to a certain extent. You know, yeah. if you put out positive, then you're more likely to get yeah. positive back, I think. Or at least that yeah. positive effect will extend throughout more people and then hopefully if those people then are positive mm-hmm. back then it will yeah. all circle back round yeah yeah, so yeah yeah trying to influence maybe people the people's positivity is really useful with your own so yeah yeah and it's yeah. just you just get it you just sit there and you just get people it's just interesting it's, it's meeting people and knowing how to 
you know, work around that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so that's what I, the, the two things I learned about yeah. traveling. And it's not essential. If you can't travel, it's no big deal. Yeah. Uh, honestly, this is just, it's really a luxury. Yeah. Uh, which, which, is, which reminds me how fortunate I am. Mm-hmm. You know, sure, I'm from Indonesia. I'm from a third world country. I've never go hungry. No, no. Not, not unless I do it on purpose. <laughs> Otherwise, so I really have no right to say, oh, I'm from Indonesia, I'm from a third world country. Like, come on, get real. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> hungry. I've always have shelter. Even yeah, though even very lucky. Financially, yeah. I might be struggling. I've always have shelter and food. Yes. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's just what I learned anyway. Cool. So, is there yeah. anything else then before we wrap up that, you know, makes a therapeutic travel, makes a therapeutic life for you? Anything you want to add? Any advice? Anything like that? Uh, one of the things that I struggle in traveling is routine. Oh. I need routine. Yeah. I think we all do to some extent. Mm-hmm. And tra- one of the things about traveling is just, you know, my routine is just out of the window. Yeah. And having that routine is very important. Yeah. Some kind of neutral. Anything. Uh, anything. Something, yeah. Like for me, meditation. But even for that, I struggle. Yeah. Uh, and if I don't meditate, I kind of feel a bit, oh, what do I do? Okay. Even if, if it's like drinking a glass, uh, a bottle of water uh-huh. uh, in the morning to just get it going or some sort of, something to ground you. Okay. Because yeah. being traveling, it's the opposite of grounding. Yes. You're traveling a lot, mm. which is which is fine. So how do you counter that? How you do need you... to look after yourself when you're traveling mentally as well. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And meditation works even if yeah. it's just 10 minutes yeah. uh, or something like like for me, it's hard. I mean, I'm doing half an hour for now, but usually I need minimum an hour. Yeah. So, so tr- find something that's going to ground you. Yeah. Find something, some sort of routine. Yes. So that's the one thing that's going to help you travel. Amazing. <laughs> that's such good advice. Right. We'll yeah. wrap it up because I yeah. believe our friends have just come back with some New Year cake. Yeah. So we're going to go and have that. But yeah, thank you very much, Veronica, for thank doing you. the interview. Much appreciated. Cool. Namaste. Namaste. <laughs>